Brian at Stone on Air is currently unavailable. Please leave a message. What I want to know is, why in the fuck you run at somebody with a tomahawk, bust their windshield out, because you saw red blacked out? I do not know. Can you verify? I don't. Seems kind of fishy. I figured the man was a gun uh, enthusiast. Should have took the tomahawk to the pistol fight. You know. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, do not die. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air Podcast. It's the weekly dose for November 21st at press time, at recording time, at drop time, as they call it, release time. It is Thanksgiving Eve, and this is the Thanksgiving extravaganza, I guess, kind of, sort of, not really. Not sure where this show will go exactly between now and the end of it or how long it will be. That tends to be the recurring theme each and every week. I do try to keep it within a little shy of an hour is usually the goal. 45 minutes to 55, something like that. Let's touch on a few things here. First of all, on the front end there, that's Crazy Clint. Uh, Longtime listener, huge supporter of everything I've ever done, and I love him to death, even though his name is very fitting, Crazy Clint. Well, the other day, I realized that, I, or the other week or month or whenever the hell it was, I was checking my Amex balance, and I run a, uh, a, a small balance on it most months and pay it off in full. Every now and again, I've messed up and done a... A month-to-month, maybe quick payment plan. But generally speaking, I keep that at a zero balance. And so all my Uber rides are through my Amex. Um, Anytime I buy concert tickets that are way off in advance, I I put that on the Amex just to get a couple extra little points, even though I never use any of the points. But um, anyway, it's just a nice thing to have around, and and I'm very good with it. But I noticed the other day, or again, month, week, whatever it was, that I had a uh, charge for $120 for a re-up of a year of U-Mail. And I'm thinking, what the hell is U-Mail? Um, and why is it costing me $120? Oh, that's right. Because in whatever time frame in 2017, I bought a phone number and a voicemail, online voicemail number, to uh, to try to create a new segment or at least an added uh, element to the show, the newsmaker line at 301-8080-301-8080-423-301-8080. Well, I forgot about it halfway through the year, stopped promoting it pretty much entirely, and have now bought another year. And I decided to drop in and check the voicemail, and there was one voicemail from right after Jeff Styles' incident, as he calls it, 
back in uh, middle of June, and that was Crazy Clint leaving the initial voicemail. I think it was like the next day. And I haven't had another one since except for some spam calls that were just, uh, you know, total garbage. So I guess since I've now paid for it, the Stone on Air Newsmaker line will stay active between now and the end of 2019 because I am now uh, re-upped until at least late summer, early fall of next year. And I thought it was a fun idea. I still think it's a fun idea. I just have to remind everybody to go to it. So if you leave a voicemail, the chances are really good you'll make it onto the show at some point. The Stone On Air Newsmaker line, 423-301-8080. And so another reason I played that, first of all, it worked well. But second of all, Jeff Styles, I think since the last time I had a, a show released, has been cleared of all charges. That might have happened right before last week. I'm not sure. I still have not talked to him in a while, and I am going to reach out with him, to him soon, probably into the new year. Probably won't mess with him while he's having to deal with all the same stuff we all have to deal with, the hustle and bustle of the, um, of the holiday season. And what he does and what I do are, I believe, entirely two different things. And that's totally cool and actually might make it even better into the future because we can comp- uh, cross-promote even better. There's a reason why uh, Jeff should be involved with what I do every now and again, and I firmly believe there's a reason that I should be involved with what, he- what he's doing every now and again. But just that, every now and again, would it make sense? And um, so I'll go from there into the new year. Uh, let's see. Coming up in today's show, in the second segment of the show, there was a really good article from the Times Free Press over the uh, the weekend here, the, uh, the second weekend of November, from Joan McClan. I think that's how you say it. Joan McClan. And um, it is about, is, is there an economic bubble coming to Chattanooga from the housing market to, um, to, to the apartment market to the, and I don't think she goes into too much of the, uh, the, uh, why am I blanking? The damn student loan crisis, which the entire country has to deal with. Wages are flat. Jobs are not as plentiful as we thought. It is a very in-depth, you know, when you're at the bottom of a newspaper read sometime or an online page, it'll say read time. This one said 21 minutes. It was incredibly comprehensive. I went through it a little bit just to hit on a few points. And it got me thinking back to the last recession, which is right at 10 years ago now, a little less than, or excuse me, a little more than 10 years ago now. And that's going to happen again. It absolutely is going to. And so many of us have asked this question out loud, who the hell is buying all this property downtown? Who's got the money for all this rent? And, and, and new developments are popping up left and right. And when do we bubble up here locally? When do we bubble up nationally? I'll get into that in the second segment of this uh, of the show this week. And then for the third and final segment of the show, speaking of Jeff Styles, yes, I have stolen his idea, and I am going to do a segment of what I am thankful for. And he has done this on the radio for years, not necessarily every year, but for years, and he just released his latest podcast doing a, um, a full what he is uh, thankful for um, episode. I have not listened to it yet. I'll get to it eventually. But I am, you know, shamelessly over here stealing his idea. And I'm going to do that in the final segment of the show. In the first segment here that I'll get to in just a minute, two quick local stories, the continued soccer wars, uh, the latest there I'll get to. And then finally, 
Finally, finally, people are getting their minds wrapped around what a real music festival is, at least for five seconds, and realizing that maybe the changes that we've all been talking about for a decade need to come to Riverbend, even though I'll explain why I think there's only one change you can make to Riverbend to actually fix it. And I'll get to that here before too long. But one thing I want to do when I get into the new year is change a little bit about the show, about not necessarily the way it sounds, but just freshen up some stuff. But what I'm going to do coming up, I believe into January, is if, if you've heard of Patreon, it is like a crowd of source funding. Uh, think, um, why am I again blanking over here? Uh, GoFundMe. Um, whatever the other ones are, this is a little different. It's, it's where content creators go to try to get small amounts or sometimes not so small amounts of money from their consumers in exchange for exclusive content, but with understanding where you know where that money's going. It's not just, oh, hey, thanks for the 20 bucks. Now I'm going to go hair the dog and go have uh, five Miller High Lives, right? It's not that simple it's a little more complicated and there's a few more layers to it and here's what i want to do and this is why i want i i think that i can actually get a few dollars out of the deal because i don't want it to profit from i want to profit on this show from local sales and local advertising because that's what this show is start off as a local music show that's never what it's going to be in this setting but it is about the region it is about the city of chattanooga it's about the tennessee valley i think that my best bang for your buck and my you know my my production buck is to to do that locally but to make sure that I stay legal I got to work I got I I need to meet with a lawyer to be honest with you I need to sit down with legal counsel counsel that specialize in this area because podcasting is a new industry and what you can and can't use is uh there's a gray legal gray area there there is what's called fair use laws that I feel like I can fall underneath. But if you've noticed over these last couple of years, especially the last year, year and a half, this show relies on lots of copyrighted material. And I don't want to go away from that. I use music and sound bites and, and anything I can find online from copyrighted material to help make my point for me and make it easier and come more to life and give it a bigger and bolder feel. And to do that, I got to use copyrighted material. Now, under the fair use laws, you can really start to blur and blend where you can and can't use copyrighted materials. Like, I can't say, hey, come here and listen to this song because I love it. Here, play. Like, I totally can't do that. But if I want to say this song is in relation to this story and by comparing this song to the story or the point I'm trying to make without this person's copyrighted material, I couldn't make that point as, as vividly, so therefore it falls under fair use laws. I think that's cool. I think it is, but I'm not entirely sure. So what there is, what it's called is ASCAP and BMI. They're both the abbreviations. ASCAP is the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, and BMI is Broadcast Music Incorporated. Now, if you pay dues and get involved with however this works, because I don't know, I've never done it, then you're freed up to, to use copyrighted material, but it costs money, and it it depends on your listenership. Now, luckily, mine's not tiny. It's not huge either, 
So it might not be the biggest expense ever, but I, I, I weighed it out two ways. Should I go away from using anything copyrighted so I never have to worry about it, but, but run the risk of, of, of having shows that are not nearly as bold and as fun to listen to, or should I look into investing into this, into this licensing and get legal and actually do really great work every week? Well, the latter I like the sound of better. So going into the new year, when I figure out how Patreon works and what I got to owe ASCAP and BMI, I'm going to launch that. And if it works, I get some money out of the deal and I'll try to do, I don't know, some t-shirts or some kind of exclusive content that helps uh, make that more attractive to, to, to the listener, to you guys and gals out there. If it works, great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's fine. I mean, I, right now I'm at $0. So if I'm anything over 0 I'm ahead of where I was. But I want everybody to understand that this is not a profitable situation. It's an investment into the way the show goes. So there you go. And we are caught up there. So let's get to the first two local topics here of the opening segment. And it's changed a little as the night went along Tuesday night. I actually went to the Chattanooga Football Club's uh, sponsors, VIP, little banquet gathering at the feed uh, on Tuesday night between 5.30 and 7. It was very nice. Uh, got a little bit to eat, a couple of beers, listened to some pitches by uh, some of the, the new management there and really enjoyed it. And I, as I've always talked about how much Tim Kelly and the and the CFC people treat me very well, I have very little to do with anything. I just talk about them a lot. So they, um, you know, they're cool to me. I'm cool to them, that kind of thing. And they could not announce anything new, but they did say within the next week, there should be something solidifying everything we're all already assuming, which is where they're going to play, which is going to be Finley Stadium, and um, and a few more details. Last week's show, I talked about all the things that they were unable to confirm, but would probably within the next, who knew, at that point I didn't know, it could have been a week, it could have been a day. Well, it was a day, because the Chattanooga Red Wolves had their crest unveiling, their logo, and their supposed potentially fake, uh, maybe might not be, we'll see a stadium, soccer-specific stadium that they're going to build in miraculously one year, uh, ready for the 2020 season. They unveiled renderings for that. Well, it's not a coincidence that the CFC announced what I was talking about the day before, the new pro league and all of the new things they're going to be doing, they did it on the same day. So everybody's working very strategically here to make sure they get their point across and get it, and they maximize the eyes and ears through social media and otherwise. So I know it comes across that I'm a Red Wolves hater because I am such a CFC uh, supporter. I am not wishing against. What the Chattanooga Red Wolves are doing, I actually think the logo looks pretty good. I think the color scheme looks nice. And I think they have incredible intentions. I just don't know how this is going to work long term. But the, the latest social media mess over the course of the last couple days was there's now also the Chattanooga Red Wolves women's team. And from what people are saying, and I... Haven't been able to confirm this, and part of it is because I don't care enough to spend enough time to get what would be considered confirmation. It just this is another example of it seems like the approach of the Chattanooga Red Wolves is a little off in some situations. So this is from Twitter. 
Um, it was from like, this guy's name's George. I asked him to send me a direct message to tell me more about it. And then next thing I knew, he liked several of my tweets over the course of the last several days, but he never sent me a damn message. It's like, God, would you learn how to use Twitter? Jesus Christ. Anyway, he posts, hey, chat, Red Wolves. Why did you hijack the Chattanooga FC women's Facebook page and keep their followers as your own? 311 people did not follow you, including at Chattahooligan members, at Chattanooga CFC fans, and CFC women's fans. Do some real work instead of stealing everyone else's. Um, And so what it looks like is there's a woman named Gretchen. I don't know who she is, but that's the people who were talking here amongst that maybe knew each other more, who was once working for CFC women, who's now working for the Red Wolves women's team, took the Facebook page because she's an admin, maybe shut it down, maybe didn't, but in one way or another, redirected it to make it a Red Wolves women's page instead of a Chattanooga's football uh, women's page and potentially losing... Maybe some archives of pictures and videos. I'm not entirely sure. This is another person who was like, uh, let's see, wait, what's the development about? Is there a story or evidence about this? Another response. It seems that Chatting FC Women's Facebook page was either redirected or hijacked to become the new Lady Red Wolves page, or it was deactivated by the admin who left and joined the Red Wolves organization. In either case, Chatting FC Women lost their followers and their Facebook history. The Shadow Hooligans, the official fan page of the CFC, uh, put this official uh, release out on their Facebook page. It has come to our attention that an individual not affiliated with CFC has taken control of the Chattanooga FC women's Facebook page and erased the page and some five years of content. The Shadow Hooligans want to celebrate and preserve CFCW's proud history by thanking each individual to wear the crest for their control contributions to the club that Chattanooga built and by directing fans to like the page link below as it looks like there's been a new page put together for the uh, CFC women and then several others here just going back and forth I was going through and through this with a you know a, a fine tooth comb as they say trying to find anything that was a little more official these are all just a bunch of fans bickering at each other on on, a, on, on social media, mainly Twitter. Uh, Misty says, sounds like the original creator of CFCW page is affiliated with Red Wolves. They probably temporarily hid the page, made changes to show the Red Wolves, then created a new CFCW page, blah, 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 which is wrong, and I'm mad, and I'm rebel-rousing, and I'm pissed off. Is any of that mean that much? Is it that important in the end? I don't know, but it's just one thing after another that this is just one of the more fascinating stories this city has seen in so long and the uh, the power struggle between these two clubs. And there's going to have to be because there's there's just not... I don't think there's enough support to go around to make these two both viable, profitable entities. And I think this is going to get more into this next segment I do about the potential bubble of the financial situation in our country. Maybe, maybe not so specifically our country and just our uh, our community, but if it's it could be both simultaneously, it very easily could be. Uh, and I just don't know where the money's going to come from for a long term sustainability of both these teams at the. Uh, banquet last night for the the sponsors and um, and friends of the team kind of invite only thing. One of the things that they did said Sheldon Grizzle, the new GM, said this is not reactionary. 
I don't believe him. I think it's absolutely reactionary. Um, you've got to react to something like that. But he's got to say that. I get it. I know some of the things with the new pro league that they're going to be getting in, that they've been working on, is something that they've been involved in for longer than just the last six months. But it wasn't. It was. It was accelerated because of uh, Sean McDaniel's move over to this new team and the new league and all of that. It is absolutely reactionary. But he said what he had to say and uh, saying that it wasn't. But it was. It clearly is. I don't know. I, I guess on I am on CFC's side, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It's the soccer wars. It's one of the more interesting stories around these parts in some time. And just quickly as I wrap up this segment, there was a recent. Um, I didn't print it off because I didn't need to. Uh, article in the Times Free Press about leaders within the uh, the nonprofit, which is a joke to say the least. Uh, friends of the festival are talking about drastic changes to Riverbend. And this, we want to speak, talk about reactionary. This is completely reactionary to the Moon River Festival and how incredible it was and how much they realize, oh, wait, you can make money if you do things right and you don't throw carnivals and you don't throw county fairs and disguise them as some kind of uh, real, important, interesting music festival that virtually nobody cares about except for several thousand people on the, uh, the the fringe counties that got nothing else better to do in Polk County. It's absolutely embarrassing. Riverbend is, uh, is, is such a joke. If, if you listen regularly, I'm not saying anything right now that you haven't already heard me say, but the article talked about making the the, the, the festival shorter. Hey, let's, hey, assholes, we've been saying this. Many of us have been saying this for a decade, maybe upwards of a decade and a half. This nine-day festival has been stupid. So nice of you to show around, show up and come around to that thought. And several other things, maybe changing the logistics of the festival a little bit. Listen, here's the answer. Here's how you fix Riverbend. You take it out back and you put it down. It's over. It's done. As long as Chip Baker, or that, I mean, that's the only way that it's quote-unquote fixed. As long as Chip Baker and some of his other cronies over at Friends of the Festival keep lining their pockets with six figures every year and and continue to just, you know, be shills to the corporate sponsors and have their big VIP party and let everybody feel like they're doing something important while the rest of the city gets shut down in the downtown area, businesses suffer, uh, uh, patrons suffer, uh, traffic suffers for nine days. Something goes on that virtually nobody wants to go to, virtually nobody cares about, virtually nobody actually genuinely enjoys. But at least, oh, I don't know, 150 people. I'm making up numbers. Maybe it's 250. Maybe it's 1,250. I'm not sure. But at least a somewhat sizable amount of people are making all kinds of money while everybody else sits around and wonders what the hell this absolutely embarrassing, just disgustingly stupid gathering of people is. The band suck, the people suck, the vendors suck, the logistics suck. Everything about it is absolutely garbage, and it's time to get rid of it. River Bend sucks. The only way to fix it is to bankrupt it or take it out back and be done with it. You want to do another festival somewhere and you want to get it, the friends of the festival and the city and, and whoever else involved, fine. But the current power structure and the current situation that's going on right now is never going to work because all they're worried about is the six figures they put in their pocket to do almost no work, just sit there, push a pencil, hit an email, bang out a couple of contracts, 
and then go home until you know the beginning of the next year. It's embarrassing, it's pathetic, and it's over. No lists of how you fi- fix Riverbend, no days you change it, no slight tweaks here, no uh, different ways to bring in corporate sponsors, none of that. Cancel it, be done with it, and move along, or you can continue to have that pathetically embarrassing piece of shit county fair carnival concert festival wannabe have i made myself clear (laughs) have i made myself clear over at alt 987 i am doing a best songs or favorite songs list of 2018 that i'll be doing some radio shows with in december and this song while it shouldn't make most people's list i'm so in love with it at least as far as close to the top there's a chance it could be in the top five or top ten of my favorite songs this year. I dreamt we spoke again from Death Cab for Cutie. And this is one of the reasons why I want to pay these licensing fees to ASCAP and BMI. Because I want to be able to incorporate things that are going on right now that are current and that are relevant to what's going on in my life and makes for better podcast content. This is a perfect example. Actually, this entire show is a perfect example. Coming up next, I'm not sure that we're on the brink of a financial crisis, but I can't be too sure that we're not. And what does that mean locally? Talk about that coming up next. Special report, a presidential address to the nation. This is an extraordinary period for America's economy. Over the past few weeks, many Americans have felt anxiety about their finances and their future. I understand their worry and their frustration. We've seen triple-digit swings in the stock market. Major financial institutions have teetered on the edge of collapse, and some have failed. As uncertainty has grown, many banks have restricted lending. Credit markets have frozen, and families and businesses have found it harder to borrow money. We are in the midst of a serious financial crisis. My administration is working with Congress to address the root cause behind much of the instability in our markets. Financial assets related to home mortgages have lost value during the housing decline, and the banks holding these assets have restricted credit. As a result, our entire economy is in danger. So I propose that the federal government reduce the risk posed by these troubled assets and supply urgently needed money so banks and other financial institutions can avoid collapse and resume lending. Uh, Back in the day when we had respectable Republican leadership, even though he did lots of things that didn't work out so well. Welcome back into the show. 16 years ago today is when the self-titled Audio Slave album was released. 16 years! And do I think we're on the verge of an economic collapse? No, 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 not at all. Do I think one's sometime in the near future, depending on how you define near? History says that it is. 
History says that it is. And damn it, man, I love this band. Damn it, this was a good record. Oh, another example why paying those ASCAP and BMI licensing fees makes this show flow and segue better. So, there's a lot of different definitions to what a recession is, and I pulled, I used to do this on Let's Talk Money a lot, Um, I don't think I've ever done it on the podcast, but I pulled all the recessions dating back all the way, hold on, what, it's like 25 pages long, back to the first documented recession that lasted four years, the Panic of 1785! The Depression of 807, 1807, I should say. Panic of 1857. So there's a lot to dig through there. And I ran out of time. And what I was going to do was go through it and and do some division to see how many... On, on what average is there a recession based on the, uh, on the uh, century? Because... Really, when it comes to what we do and don't do and how we forecast the future here in the year 2018, really doesn't have anything to do, well, let me rephrase that. It doesn't have a damn thing to do with 1785. I always tend to look at anything on a historical perspective, um, most things anyway, starting at you know the, the conclusion of World War II, modernized America. So that's when you really need to start looking at it, um, or just prior to that with the Great Depression, and then you go on from there. Uh, again, the definitions for what a recession is it changes depending on who you ask and what you read. The joke that uh, Jeff Styles used to have at the uh, radio station was, if your uh, best friend is out of work, then we're in a recession. If you yourself are out of work, then we're in a depression. Uh, clearly just making uh, a light and jest out of, uh, of what potentially could be a serious thing. But it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it's 10, 12, 11, however many years ago now, 7, 8, 9 that was some bad times. That was some bad times, and that was because of a lot of bad loans and a lot of over um, uh, bubbling up of industry, and that has happened over the course of many, 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 many decades, over the course of the last damn near 100 years, and I'll be damned if I'm not going to think out loud that it's kind of happening again, and maybe not even kind of, maybe very much happening again, and I mean, I was 27, 28, 29 years old during all that. The year 2009, when I was 29, was the worst year of my life. I was broke as bleep. I I mean, I was on the verge of bankruptcy. Absolutely, positively, I'm not, you know, revisionist uh, history looking at it. I'm I'm not exaggerating. I was just a few more bad months. I was just another maybe year, six, eight months from uh, of outspending my 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 income my outgo being more than my income from it just finally you know collapsing in on top of itself luckily that changed into 10 and it very much changed into 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 i started working a bunch again and i I got i don't want to call it total lucky i mean there's a little bit of luck to it i guess but that was a scary time and layoffs were left and right big time 
and you know it might be a right around the corner again and there's this this article to bring it back here to chattanooga uh, that was just so good uh, from the Chattanooga Times Free Press this past weekend. It's called, Is Chattanooga Falling Behind on Its Growth Forecast? And it is a 21-minute read, and you need every minute of that, even if you're a good reader. Lots of numbers, lots of insight, lots of research, very comprehensive. I didn't. I don't want to bore the, you know my audience by trying to read too much of it, but I am going to look at a few numbers. It is by, I called her McClan earlier. I think it's Joan McClain. I think it is Joan McClain. Never heard of her before, um, but she did a very good job on this. It says, Chattanooga's growth forecast cloudier than expected. And it starts it all up with a big front page rundown. But this is the first numbers I highlighted. And it starts with the home values portion of this article. Downtown homes in 2012. 2012, just six years ago, downtown homes' median sales price was 92 thousand dollars ninety two thousand dollars now downtown homes includes the good neighborhoods and the bad neighborhoods so we remember when we're dealing with median numbers here got to keep that in mind but it still can be put in perspective especially when you look at downtown homes and median sales as of right now in 18 two hundred and twenty six thousand dollars nearly a quarter of a million for your median downtown home and check this out. This is a very telling number. So the $92,000 house in 2012, the median sales price was staying on the days on the market 131 days. 131 days. That's a pretty long time to have your house on the market uh depending on what, you know, sellers, buyers market, however you determine that. That's not a house moving very quickly. Right now, days on the market at nearly a quarter of a million, 38. Days on the market at quarter of a million, 38 days. You know what that means? A lot of houses, a lot of properties are being bought. But I am concerned. I want to know who's got all this money and can they afford it in the long run and is it going to bubble back up? The reason that $92,000 properties were staying on the uh, on the market for 131 days, you know, going on in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, a third of a, of a year is because people were not quick to, to to spend money because 2009 was just three years prior. Now, an Alzheimer patient uh, a society that we live in, 38 days, we're flipping quarter of a million dollar houses. So let's just focus now on uh, on 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 rentals, on apartments, because those are booming downtown as well. In Metro Chattanooga's third quarter, Metro Chattanooga, the apartment vacancy rate went from 0.9, right at 1%, to 6.2%. Now, that doesn't sound like a huge number, but when you go from 1% to 6.2% in a quarter, that means, well, it means a couple of things. It means sales have gone back a little bit, and it means the building is probably the the manufacturing, the production of these apartment complexes and homes and, and apartments are being built at a pace faster than the market is showing the need for the the what is it the uh, supply and demand thing when you go from one percent to six point two percent vacancy rate in uh, in in one quarter downtown vacancy overall is at seven point four percent so higher than the metro area thirty four other markets including Birmingham in that same time frame have experienced a decline in apartment vacancy now is that 
Is that apples and oranges comparison? Probably not. But when you're looking at city, city centers, and city metros, all you have is the numbers to go by. So recently, a lot of uh, downtown apartment developments have flipped to uh, like hotels. Uh, the, the Clement Lofts did that. The McClellan Apartments over by the school have been talking about potentially doing that as well because they're not getting the uh, they're not they're, their vacancies are staying too 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 big to fulfill the money that they owe for these uh, these developments. Kim White from the River City Company, who that company's involved with, it's, I think, a nonprofit that makes all kinds of money just consulting with uh, developers and, and city officials and city leaders and making more money than it possibly could imagine, says, quote, did we guess wrong about demand? Maybe we needed more family rentals that skewed affordable, says Kim White, CEO of the River City Company. Quote, is there more of a desire for homes near downtown than imagined? Perhaps it is more desirable to live a little bit out from downtown with a house. Yeah, stuff that us normal assholes walking around have been saying for going on a decade. Who is living in all these properties that are being built downtown at a rapid pace? Have you seen Main Street and uh, even further down there from now, all those streets that connect Williams Street. I can't think of all the names of them right now. All that south end where my job is right now that's about to be bulldozed in the next couple of years to build another boutique hotel, likely. All those properties going up all around Finley Stadium. I mean, I love the idea of development and making that area great because I have been a proponent for the south side for 20 years but if you're building property that cannot be sustainable long term because you don't have anybody who makes enough money to live there, that's not a good move. That's what causes housing bubbles, financial crises, even on a, whether that has anything to do with the overall grand scale of the country. It certainly can create some hardships for local Chattanooga banks, lending industries, families, young people, the whole deal. Goes on to talk about a bunch of studies. And I'm not going to uh, bore you with all of those. But some of these studies said that gen- Generation Y, which I guess is millennials, maybe a little bit younger, are hitting prime rental years. And in, there's an increased preference for renting, according to these studies that were done in the last and ended in the last two or three years. Brookings Institute scholar Bruce Katz wrote glowingly about Chattanooga in an online essay. Quote, 2015 has been dubbed the year of the crane as $480 million in private investment is fueling the construction of hundreds of hotel rooms, thousands of apartments. Something special is happening in Chattanooga. That was in 2015, three years ago. In June, River City Company hosted a weekend walking tour to showcase 14 developments with available units downtown. Attendance was robust. More than 500 people came to see the insides of Market City Center, Passenger Flats, Bluebird Row Apartments, da-da-da-da, all the ones that are down there. The crowd, however, skewed for an older-than-expected demographic, says Kim White from River City. Several expressed disappointment with the offerings at Passenger Flats, which is over by the Choo Choo, run by friends of mine, but this is a quote from somebody who was there. Groups going in and out of the display units express astonishment at the price tag per square foot. Quote, this is just a hotel room, a woman told her friend, pointing to an air conditioning unit by the window. Quote, they barely changed anything. And then you start talking about earnings in Chattanooga. Median household income, 
as of 2017 is $50.2,000, just over 50 grand. The typical Chattanooga earns 22% less than the typical American. And recently, we've lost Chatham. We've lost whatever, Sanofi, whatever that French, or no, that was a research development, lost 160 jobs there. Chatham built that 100 trillion, billion, umpteen billion, uncountable jillion uh, facility down on the river, and they went out. They got bought by GE and sold and, and, and gone. So we've lost a lot of work there. Federal data, however, shows that the metro area has not yet attracted the glut of higher wage jobs needed to support the city's explosion of luxury developments. And that is just the first page and a half of this article. And it is really good. I urge you to go uh, to go find it. The Times Free Press. And uh, what did I say? Rewind to find her name. I just crumpled it up. I can't find it. I am just concerned. I don't know who is going to be where. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't know where people are getting the jobs to make the kind of money that it takes to sustainably live in uh, in in purchased properties for what is the insanity that is a 30-year mortgage that everybody does. I'll I'll fight somebody close to me that I care about if they get a 30-year mortgage at any point in their life now. I mean, I've done it. We've all done it. It's ridiculous. Um, 15 or nothing. But so let's or or outside of purchasing, how many people are going to have the money to rent all this explosion of downtown rental developments? And that is more on the big bank financial and developer problem. And I don't have as big of sympathy for them because they're a bunch of greedy assholes overall anyway. But if they start to trickle down up top, falling apart, it comes all the way down here to us little poor people at the bottom. What I am concerned about is people getting into 30-year mortgages for $250,000 properties at the bottom of of the market right now. More like three fifty and four and however much it is in these areas, and aren't going to make it anywhere near the end of those thirty years because hey, that's what we do. That's what we do in this culture that we live in. The society, the societal norms, the cultural norms are: you go get a nice, cool house, you live in an area that makes you look cool and feel cool, or just even if it's not that vanity, just something that you really like, something that you really want. I've done it. I've made awful decisions in property purchasing in my life, and thank God I came out of it um, so far, so far, uh, mostly unscathed. It's a dangerous situation, and I see this as a small microcosm of the way the rest of the country is also, is also uh, their behaviors are. I've we seen Nashville, gone to East Nashville in a while. They're doing what we're doing on steroids. Same thing in Atlanta and other, and other big metro areas around the southeast so are we doomed and done for forever i you know no no of course not but don't think 08 can't happen again don't think 09 can't happen again because it absolutely can all right that's all i'm gonna do on that i'm going to take a quick break and then put the wraps on this show coming up next i stole the idea from jeff styles he used to do it most years right around thanksgiving i thought it was a little lame and a little dorky at the time because i was young and thought oh sure thankful jeff whatever dude why don't you do something people actually want to hear well now as i you know stare at 39 years old the idea of that topic sounds more intriguing so what i am thankful for the idea stolen from jeff styles to close out the show is coming up next
right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. I am so glad we invited the Chippewas to join us for this holiday meal. Remember, these savages are our guests. We must not be surprised at any of their strange customs. After all, they have not had our advantages, such as fine schools, libraries full of books, shampoo. How? I am Pocahontas, a Chippewa maiden. Welcome to our table, our new primitive friends. Thank you, Sarah Miller. You are the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Your hair is the color of the sun. Your skin is like fresh milk. And everyone loves you. Stop! Sit. Wait. What? We cannot break bread with you. Huh? You have taken the land which is rightfully ours. Years from now, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes, on reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. We will sell our bracelets by the roadsides. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stick shifts. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims, especially Sarah Miller. Gary, she's changing the words. And for all these reasons, I've decided to scalp you and burn your village to the ground. Okay, so the only mention I'm going to make about the white man coming to the new world, the only mention I'm going to make is the front end there. Wednesday Adams from the fam- uh, Adams family. So I'm not going to talk about the genocidal nature of that entire situation. I'm not going to talk about the trail of tears, about the disease and suffering caused to the native people by the white men coming over to take over the new world. I'm not going to talk about any of those things because it's Thanksgiving. And that was, when the hell was that? That the Thanksgiving thing became a thing. 14, 1500s, 1600s, whatever it was. And that was a long time ago. And I like Thanksgiving. So I don't want to talk about the genocidal nature of all that and the hypocrisy that is the, <laughs> the history that we're taught as children and the, the fairy tales and fantasy lands that is the amazing uh, exploration and findings of the new world and how we all sat down and had turkey and dressing and loved each other together, even though that's not really how it happened at all. I actually really do like Thanksgiving, so I'm not going to talk about any of those things. I kid, I kid, I kid. At Stone On Air and all social media, if you're not following along already, you should. Or if you don't want to. I mean, I guess I get it. Social media is pretty stupid. So, for many years, as I mentioned uh, going into the break, Jeff Styles did a thankful episode on his show on Talk Radio 102.3. And I decided today I was going to do that same thing. I'm going to make it pretty short, get right to the point, and get out of here. Totally serious talk. 100%, 1,000%. 
serious talk. Thanksgiving is my favorite time of year. And it's for all the cliched, stupid reasons that everybody says, oh, hell, I got to do is eat a bunch of food and watch football, and I don't got to do nothing. Whatever. I subscribe to that theory, too, a little bit. But really, at the end of the day, um, we, most of us, you listening to this, very likely, most people in your life, most people in my life, um, with with many exceptions for sure, but as a generally wide uh, sweeping generalization, we have a lot to be thankful for every single day of our lives. And the majority of us walking around in the United States of America live like kings compared to the rest of the world. We are kings and queens living in a life of luxury com- compared to the majority of of the rest of the surface of this planet. There's plenty of areas where that's not true. There's way more area areas where it is. And I don't know at what time in my life I started to fully appreciate that and fully realize that, yeah, oh, okay. You know, I'm not trying to be the don't celebrate Columbus Day guy. Like I but I do I find it ridiculous the way we uh we reinterpretate history or how we regurgitate history, I should say, and how sometimes often flawed and untrue it is. But I'm just making, you know, snide jokes about that right now. I love Thanksgiving. I love hanging out with people that I uh, enjoy being around. I love having a good bite. And, you know, if there's a ball game on to watch, that's great, too. And having a day off work doesn't hurt anything. And just being, you know, thankful and enjoying your company is uh, is just, man, that's fun. That's nice. That's cool. And I really, really enjoy it. So, let me get into my quick short list here. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven entries, but I ramble, as you know, so it'll take here a couple of minutes. So let me get right to it. I have talked about this before in the past, and I know it sounds like boasting, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. I had no hand in this. I get no credit for this. I am thankful that I won the genetic lottery. Absolutely thankful for that every single day of my life. I have been poisoning myself for 38 years years but more specifically in my adult life for the last you know 18 to 20 years and i get almost no repercussions from it now it, 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 as i said this is not an accomplishment of mine i ain't done shit i ain't done a thing this is an incredible bloodline of an incredible family that i come from that's not just because of genetics it's because of accomplishments as well which i'll get to that a little bit more here in a minute and it is not lost on me absolutely positively not lost on me that my health and my genetic holding up has an expiration date. It's not going to hold for forever. It's going to need to be treated better. And that is not lost on me. That's why I am so thankful for that. I am thankful that I've been able to work a, what in my mind and my experiences in my life has been in an industry that I consider a literal dream job for quite nearly 15 years, off and on 15, almost 15 years. Um, Radio is just such a passion of mine. It is something that it's, it's hard to explain if you're in an industry that you are passionate about, not just a job. And I know sometimes we have to have it. My day job is just a job. I'm not passionate about that. I'm thankful for it. More on that in a minute. But I'm not passionate about it. So if you have one of those, or even if it's a hobby, you don't get paid much but it, or, or at all, but it's something that, that really is a value to your life, then you understand it to a certain degree. 
it is uh it has been amazing since at 22 years old i've been able to work in an industry that i just adore i i want to thank uh, jeff styles for his incredible i don't want to say influence because the influence might not be that good but uh just the the incredible work he did for so long that was so inspiring i want to thank uh, uh bill lockhart because bill lockhart who is probably technically overall mad at me because he's banned me from all his social media because I've just been giving him hell about his crappy radio station he works for, and he had to do it to make sure he holds on to his job until he can retire. I totally understand that, but he's one of the most amazing, uh, brilliant uh, radio programming minds that I've ever read about, heard of, or talked to, and um, he was a teacher of mine at Chattanooga State and a, uh, a confidant of mine and a co-worker for years. I am uh, very thankful to the new company I work for now, which is a blend of some people I worked at with the other company. They've given me complete creative control. They have allowed me to do virtually whatever I want, and the reason they let me do that is because I get what we're doing here, and um, they understand that I get what I'm doing here, and I appreciate that beyond belief because a micromanagement situation for most people, I may I don't know. I don't know what it is for most people. For me, it, it is a very ineffective work environment and uh, when we need a constructive discussion and uh, and constructive criticism I uh, I welcome that and I appreciate them at Bay Hackle uh, communications it's Danny Bernie and Chuck uh, my entire my family immediate family I'm so thankful for because they let me be me and it might have taken a long time to get to that point but I what other times with people who don't know me can think that I'm being aloof or I'm being uh, I'm being distant or I'm being just quiet and and want to be left alone, they understand that that's not me being a jerk. That's just me. That's what I do. And sometimes, you know, how I've talked about it in the past, I think that's me being incredibly respectful of people and not bothering them with my nonsense. Uh, that can be misconstrued by the average person walking around because of societal norms and cultural norms, and more maybe even more importantly, societal pressures. My immediate family understands that, if I come across as being a jerk, I don't mean it. I'm not actually doing that. I'm just being distant because that's always been me. Um, I'm thankful for this community, the Tennessee Valley. Moved here in 1986, North Georgia originally, Chattanooga, the relationships I've made, the business uh, relationships I've made. There are so many people out there that have done so much for me to help in in this industry and um, and in the entertainment industry. It is, uh, it's amazing how, how great of a community this is. And I am as thankful as I could be for it. The uh, beer industry locally has been amazing to me. I was 20 years old, 18 years ago, getting a job, slinging some cases in the, uh, you know, loading trucks in the warehouse. And with a couple of little sabbaticals overall, I've been there ever since. And, um, and the people that have run the the old company Carter Distributing, and then segued in here to the new company Cherokee Distributing, they uh, same kind of deal. I'm allowed to take. I mean, they let you police yourself. They let you do your thing. You don't get micromanaged, and uh, it's another industry to be proud to be in because you get involved with in so many fun things and so many events cross promote between the stations I've been working for and the beer companies I've been working for. And yeah, I might not have taken my genetic makeup and went out there and made six figures and been a banker and on Wall Street or been a scientist or an engineer and didn't do all these things that I didn't want to do because I, well, I didn't feel like working that hard for it. 
I still ended up with a couple industries that are, you know, from my lifestyle and what I'm into and what I enjoy. Absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. And two more here and I'll be done here. Um, I, I don't often fall into relationships that mean a whole lot to me. There's been a handful that have meant the world to me, a handful. Uh, I'm guessing on top of my head, five or six over the course of, you know, 15 years that, you know, that, that were very important to me. And then, you know, several smaller relationships that were just here and there. But, uh, the one I'm into right now, I am really, really into, and I am very thankful. Her name is Brittany and she is absolutely positively completely gorgeous and i uh i am very into that and i am very thankful for that and i don't want to make it sound like she's just pretty i enjoy spending time with her all the way around and the final one i am thankful for you and anybody who's listened to any of the radio shows anybody who downloads anything anybody who follows who likes who shares who retweets who shows interest in local content creation Local music, local art, uh, just local, just anybody who's engaged in the community and that kind of splices together with the community and you, the listener of this podcast, the downloader, I am absolutely thankful for. And um, I'll put the wraps on it right there. This is my absolute favorite pastime. It's my hobby. It's what I enjoy to do the most, to create downloadable content and uh, live streaming content both from the spoken word and from the traditional radio broadcast and i wish everybody a happy thanksgiving and for years i hated on alanis morissette and that was wrong of me so that's why i went with her thank you song even though it might be a little sarcastic thank you india thank you terror thank you disillusionment Thank you, frailty. Thank you, consequence. And the best one here is thank you. Thank you, silence. And I'll end right there. Y'all have a great one. See you later. Bye. Thank you.